So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get those Z's. And if you need to snooze, we'd much rather you did it at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In Podcast. Now, if you do catch the sermon here, you are going to miss out on some things we think are pretty cool about being an intergenerational community together in church, amazing music, and community, and people who inspire you, and people who challenge you, and kids who say really cute things, and of course cookies during cookie hour, but we will give you what we can. I'm Susan Foster. And I'm Chris Marshall. And we're United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not perfect preachers, theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started the podcast so if you're away from home or working or, as Susan said in the last one, trying to get away for one more weekend of camping before the snow sets in, or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon we gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is, we hope that you will receive it with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, uh, we encourage you to keep that open mind and open heart so that you can think your own thoughts. We don't expect you'll agree with everything we have to say, and that's fine with us. Our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Chris... Breathing underwater, we have made it to step twelve. Woohoo! This has been. Are you over? I'm done. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm like, uh, as I uh, when we last week when we were um, hanging out with those with the the uh, RPM folks, the residents practicing ministry. Uh um, I was recommending the book and in the same breath going, but I'm so tired of preaching it. Yes. Just ready. I'm I'm just done. Yeah, 12 weeks. 12 weeks weeks is a a really long series. I I think that I've only ever done, you know, six weeks or eight weeks. Yeah, I did a 52 week sermon series once. Oh, that's right. This is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, just, just, we're not going to go over all the 12 steps again. Uh, We're going to tell you to go listen to to 11, the beginning of 11. No, this is 11. Oh, sorry. No, the beginning of step 11. Yeah, which is episode. Ten. Ten. But they, the, you, you title them so that. Oh. You titled them that way, so so people will be people will be able to find it. Go go listen to the previous one if you've forgotten what the steps are. Yeah. And what they're all about. But um, we are now to step twelve, and it doesn't mean that we're perfected or everything's done. But this the step twelve is to to having had a spiritual awakening as a result of all the other steps we have tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Right. So it's it's the ongoing work. This is the walk in the walk and talk in the talk and making those congruent piece. So I started off talking about opera. Opera? Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Because opera is so wonderful. It involves gloves and fancy glasses. Yes. Opera glasses. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, and yeah, so the perception of opera these days... <laughs> Is very fancy. You, it's very fancy. Very you fancy. usually have some level of privilege if you've experienced opera. I asked people how many people had been to the opera in my church. Quite a few. How many people had enjoyed the opera? Only a few people put their hands down. <laughs> um, but opera uh, is this classical style of music. Opera literally means the work, right? So it's the mm. work that people were putting forward. And it involves oh, costuming and theater and acting mm. and... Uh, music, of course, music and storytelling and just kind of over the top. I prefer soap operas. 
Um, <laughs> I, not so much the general hospital kind, but like the Jane the Virgin kind. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big yeah, fan yeah. of that. Uh, the telenovelas. And uh, in popular culture, we've sort of put opera into this box of we know the people who go to opera. Right. They're snooty. And they can understand French and Italian, or at least well enough to know what's going on. Mm. So opera started at the end of the 16th century. Okay, so. As a way for the artists of the day Mm -hmm. to take advantage of the fact that there was this class of people who did not come from fancy backgrounds, but had fancy money. Ah, yes. And so they created a new art form, which they called opera. And they did that in order to tap into that market of people who now had money, but maybe didn't have finer taste. Mm. So opera was very much in its origins, like going to see Shakespeare at the Globe. It was an audience participation event, right? Interesting. There was cheering and there was booing and it was not elite. Um, It was definitely reaching out to this class of people who had a little extra money. Um, during the interims between shows, between acts, mm-hmm. they had uh, intermezzos, with it, which means, you know, the intermediate time. Right. Where they would do improvisational comedy, which then spun off into its own art form. Oh, interesting. So that's where improv comes from. Huh. So it was not a highbrow affair. Yeah. But we had this perception of it as this highbrow affair because that is what we have made it. Right. Now, that's true, except... That a few years ago, an opera came on the scene that kind of broke through a lot of barriers, a lot of socioeconomic barriers, a lot of um, kind of elitist Mm -hmm. barriers, and became accessible to the people, so to speak. Although it's still 800 bucks to get a ticket. (laughs) So if you want to go see it live, it's still pretty expensive. So Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote Hamilton. Right. And Hamilton is a retelling, a playful retelling of American history around the Revolutionary War from the perspective of one of the underdogs, this guy Hamilton that we all love to hate because we know that Jefferson's the real hero, right? Right. So Hamilton's uh, perspective is is explained in this mm-hmm. opera. Now, if you ask me, what are two things that a five-year-old would love? I probably wouldn't say opera and U.S. history. And yet, and yet, I have friends who have kids who have memorized Hamilton from yep. beginning to end because it is an opera, but it is an accessible language. It's in it's R and B and hip hop and rap right. and and all of that. It's fun. And it's catchy. It's catchy. It's the humor isn't lost on us because we don't have to all the cultural cues of the right. 16th century to get that get it. Hamilton was one of those things that kind of breathed life back into opera for everyday people. Right. And this breathing thing has been a theme for us. Right. The last this whole breathing steps. idea. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of breathing. What happens? When we do something like we did to opera, when we take something that has all of this life in it and we restrict it, we create an idol out of something. Mm-hmm. We make one aspect of something everything. So we make the the beauty of the art something that is inaccessible instead of something that is absolutely accessible. When we do that, we lose the life that breathes in it. Right. Everything in the world that is alive has to breathe in right. and breathe out. Yeah. It's... It- it's interesting you bring this up because one of my cousins and his wife came to visit and she's a retired uh, dance professor. And they were reading one of my New Yorkers that was sitting around and there's an article in there about modern dance. 
and modern dance is at a, at a point mm-hmm. where it could either become boxed in and so limited or it could actually continue to grow. And it's that same kind of thing. Like we do this, right? We're, we're often faced with these choices of do we keep this feeling or this sense of, of what is right now in our lives and hold on to that so tightly that so change doesn't come? Or do we breathe out and allow, for lack of a better term, evolution mm-hmm. and growth? and transformation to continue to happen. Well, if we only breathe in, mm-hmm. we suffocate. Yep. We die. So we, we have to keep breathing in and breathing out. And so step 12 is really about that movement of that breath, mm-hmm. that that recovery is something that we breathe in, but it's also something that we share. Yeah. And addiction is a kind of idolatry that restricts our breathing because we begin to mistake the intimacy we desire with intensity. Right. Um, and we think that intensity is where it's at. And when it becomes all about intensity, it's not a moral shortcoming that happens. It's not a lack of willpower, but it's a spiritual illness. Yeah. That kind of comes into us because we have been looking for that breath in mm-hmm. the wrong place. And addiction only lets us breathe in. Right. The conversation we had last week at the academy, which is where we were hanging out together, about differentiation mm-hmm. comes in here. Yeah, because I think one of our biggest addictions is this idea that that we have to be all up in each other's business, absorbed in each other, absorbed in each other. As I used to joke about the cocker spaniels, I used to house sit for. You know, they want to be part of your liver, yeah. right? Like they just want to snuggle in so hard, hard. Like they just want to. And how we do that in our addiction and in our trying to to fill those holes mm-hmm. or to find the ways to breathe out. We do it in ways that aren't healthy. Right. And that we need to, to be paying attention to all of that. And that movement of breath, that breathing in mm-hmm. and breathing out, is the deepest pattern of reality. It's also the sound of the name of God. Right, right. Um, in the Old Testament, the name of God is written with the Western characters, Y-H-W-H. Right. There are no vowels in there. We've turned it into Yahweh, which is not really what it is. Yeah, right, right. But there's no vowels in right. there. It is not something that you can hear or speak. It is unpronounceable. And that had a lot to do with the way that names had power, right? Right. If you knew somebody's name, you had power over them, power over that thing. You had some measure of control and God was uncontrollable. And so this Mm. unpronounceable name, which then in your Bible is translated the Lord, becomes this reflection of this deepest pattern of our reality that God is really in everything. God Mm -hmm, is absolutely mm -hmm. everywhere. And if we can recognize that if we can get into that rhythm that it will lead us into kind of a life beyond addiction right instead of trapping us in the addictions that are comfortable because they feel intense even though what we really want is intimacy and so we have to turn outward in christian lingo we call this the indwelling grace of god and the outpouring of the grace of god and in wesleyan language we would talk about it as acts of mercy and acts of piety right so talk about those so where i went with this was was really to to pull it back to this this there are these dual pillars that hold up our Wesleyan theology that says you need to have about there's a there's a connection between your acts of piety meaning the things like we were talking about in step eleven which are prayer and meditation and what that allows you to do in acts of mercy in the in the caring of the world of the healing of the world of the transformation of the world to do either one 
to land just solely in either one of those is to not breathe, Mm -hmm. in my estimation, because it's a cycle. It's like your acts of piety lead you into the world or it leads you into service, leads you into connection Mm -hmm. with others through God. You cannot meet people where they are without seeing that God, you know, the, the broken things and the and the, the things that are misshapen in this world are not as God would have them be. Right. And the work that it takes to, to mend and to heal and to transform also leads you again back into prayer and meditation, into those acts of piety, into worship and holy conferencing and all the other things that the spiritual disciplines that that help us again be able to engage to recalibrate and, to recalibrate be renewed renewed and then not make a in your language an idol of either mm-hmm. it's a transformative connection cycle yeah yeah so one of those things the acts of piety the acts of connecting to god are about remembering to keep god free right of our right. expectations mm-hmm. and then the acts of mercy the acts that we do that help us to connect to other people and to be of service to them help keep us free for God. Right. Right. So that the idea is that God is free for us and we are free for God, that we're not beholden, mm-hmm. that we're able to move out of our freedom to offer this good thing to other people. And one of the things I said on Sunday was as progressives, we, we struggle with this. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to, to share good news because we're afraid that it comes across judgy or like, we think we know better than other people or whatever, instead of just recognizing like, this is where we found food, Mm -hmm. right? Do y'all want to find food too? Right. (laughs) Um, It's hard for us to express that. And so I told a story, an Aaron Sorkin parable that he shares in the West Wing about a guy who falls into a hole. This guy falls into a hole and a doctor walks by and he, he shouts up. He says, Hey doc, I fell into this hole. Can you help me? And the doctor writes a prescription on a piece of paper and chucks it down the hole and keeps walking. And then a priest comes along and the guy in the hole says, hey, priest, I've fallen down here. Can you help me? And the priest writes a prayer on a piece of paper and tears it off and throws it into the hole and keeps walking. Well, then one of these guys, uh, one of this guy's friends walks by and he says, hey, friend, I've fallen down this hole. Can you help me? And his friend jumps into the hole with him. And he says, what are you doing now? We're both stuck down here. And his friend says, no, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Right. That our work as progressive Christians is not to chuck answers at people. Right. But to be in solidarity with people in those places where we have experienced healing. And I think it's important that we do it in that order, that we experience healing and we help. Yeah. Even yeah. though there can be healing in the helping, but but trying to find your healing through helping sets it's you not, up for codependency. No, no, no. You can only step out as far as you've healed. Yeah. You may not heal a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to acknowledge how fragile you are. Right. Right. It's okay to say, you know, I'm not actually strong enough to take on somebody else's stuff right now. Yeah. I'm still trying to carry my own burden. And so it's okay to focus on that for a while. It's also okay to let it draw you back out when you're ready. Yeah. But the self-differentiation thing that Susan's talking about is recognizing I'm me and you're you. You. And I can walk with you in your stuff without it becoming my My stuff. stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it's so hard for people to own their own stuff, especially when they feel like they have found something amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I found freedom in Jesus, right? And so I've got to like go pound it into other people's heads when it wasn't the, the pounding that got it into your head. Right, exactly. Right. And how we have to be attentive. Careful is not the word I want to use. I want to say attentive to our methods of explaining, okay. methods of being. And right. connecting. And connecting, 
Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I like that Richard Rohr said was that spiritual gifts are the only gifts in the world that don't decrease as yes, you use them. Yes, I thought that was great. You know, material gifts, as you use material gifts, they go away. But spiritual gifts are the kind of thing that as you practice, they become stronger. And so each one of us has things that we have kind of a natural inclination towards, a talent for, and that we've grown in. Right. Whether it's teaching or helping or listening or counseling, there's so many different ways that we connect to each other. And to recognize the strengths that you have and to be able to offer those to other people, not because you know all the answers, but because you know that this is a process where it's easier when you have a friend. Amen. So um, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to all addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. It's not sudden. doesn't happen overnight. Nope. It's it's, a tr- it's, it, there will be some trial and error. Mm-hmm. It's lived. It's not believed. It's mm-hmm. not just something you get in your head. It's something you practice. It's shared. It's not owned. Yeah. And it's ongoing, not achievement unlocked. Right. Um, it's something that we keep practicing over and over and over again so that we can keep God free and keep ourselves free. Amen. Amen. So thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep-In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to the topics we've been discussing, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or find us on our website at sundaymorningsleepin.com. This music theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. At the end of every service, it's traditional for a priest to give a blessing. And we do that at the end of the podcast. Uh, we talk about all of the ways that God is already moving in your life and how you can jump in on those. We hope that it, this series has been helpful to you. Um, the quote on the cover of the bulletin this week was from Wendell Berry, and it, it said this, it said, people use drugs legal and illegal because their lives are intolerably painful or dull. They hate their work. They find no rest in their leisure. They're estranged from their families and their neighbors. It should tell us something that in healthy societies, drug use is celebrative, convivial, and occasional, whereas among us it is lonely, shameful, and addictive. We need drugs apparently because we have lost each other. I hope that you know that you are found. I hope that you know that you are loved. I hope that you know that there is a whole wide world of glorious wonder out there for you that is not restricted to those moments of despair in which you find yourself. And I hope you don't let the pain lie to you about who you are. Because you are a brilliant, beloved, and strong child of God. And you better own it. Amen. Because how are you going to help anybody else? RuPaul says, how are you going to love anybody else if you don't know how to love yourself? Amen. So, may you learn how to love yourself and love one another. Amen. Amen. Amen.